Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey church, great to be with you. Mark and I are really missing you all and uh, thanks for all the people that have been sending in encouraging notes. How good is encouragement, especially in this season? And what I want to ask is this question, who out there is a good maker? You're good at making things. You know, when I was a kid, my mother used to buy me little craft kits and I would toss them under the bed. I was an annoying, short, attention-spanned kid. But my mother used to say this. She used to say, Roz, I wish you were like Liz Smith. Why aren't you like Liz Smith? Now, I've got to tell you, church, Liz Smith grew up to be an art teacher. Who can compare to an art teacher? An art teacher. So um, I am not going to go in the maker competition. So there you go. I'm letting all you others um, have an opportunity to win. But I do want to congratulate congratulate Graeme Taylor who shared today in the message. He has just published a book. It's called Does Your Belief System Align with the Bible? And it's for those who want to understand some of the difficult questions in the Bible. It's got some beautiful emotional sections from his life uh, and it is a book that will really encourage your faith. It's a really hard thing to write. I think it's a very difficult and takes lots of diligence and um, discipline to write. So to write a whole book, well done, Graeme Taylor. And I'm looking forward to reading it and you'll all be able to purchase it also. All right, just a few thoughts about this season. You know, a wise leader once said to me when Mark and I were entering the ministry, Ros, the ministry won't cause your emotional dysfunction. It will reveal your dysfunction. And it did. Every flaw, every weakness that you have, that I had in my character as ministry pressure has been put on, it has revealed um, my dysfunction. And in ministry, when that happens, I was left with a choice. Be lazy, ignore it blame someone else or deal with my stuff and let God transform me. And of course now, I'm just a model human being. And Ethan in the sound desk said, (laughs) Um, just got a shout out to Ethan. You know, let me, actually let me do a shout out to Ethan Trigg, Mindy Newsom, Jess Stevo and Jill Milton Had had a brain freeze. What an incredible team. They have been keeping us afloat. You've been writing and thanking Mark and I, but don't thank us. Thank, thank them because they are incredible behind the scenes, making church online succeed, and I love them all so much. All right, um, so where are, where, yeah, I was talking about me, me being a model human being. But I want to talk about this last season because crisis does the same. Crisis doesn't cause dysfunction. It doesn't cause anger or impatience or fear it exposes it it reveals what already is there and what what happens in crisis things that have been lying dormant come to the surface which is great news because when things come to the surface we have an opportunity to work on them and let God do some deep work in our soul so I'm looking forward to coming back in a few weeks and seeing all the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the patience, the joy, the love, the peace. Um, 
And I just want to say this too. We're coming out of a winter. So we're coming out of winter into spring and into summer. But so it is with this season and so it is with the church and so it is with your life. So take this opportunity to prune dead things back, dead things off so new growth can come forward. You've all seen a tree that hasn't been pruned properly or hasn't been pruned and the new growth's trying to get up but all these dead branches. You don't want to be like that. We are coming into a new season. God is going to accelerate things. God wants you to have new growth in spring. So lop off anything that is dead, anger, fear, unbelief. Do a work. All right. And lastly, I just want to say that um, we're coming back on November 7 to church. It's going to be stripped back. Pop-ups, all of those of you who love pop-ups, you're going to love it. Uh, We will have to wear masks, but the singers don't have to wear masks. And what are you going to bring on that day? I'll tell you what I've decided to bring on that day. I'm going to bring joy because I think the world needs a big dose of joy. But let me tell you what else we're going to do. We're going to worship God. We're going to stand in his presence. We're going to bring the presence of God. We're going to see people serving. We're going to sense the unity of the Holy Spirit. We're going to watch as the spiritual gifts are used. And with one voice, we can't sing, but we're going to shout a shout of victory under our masks for all that God has done and for all that God is going to do in you, in your future, in me, in our future, what God has for us. We're going to have lift up one voice, a shout of victory, and I'm looking forward to it. Okay, well, we are doing, we have launched a new theme. Craig started it last week. It's called A Faith That Works When Life Doesn't. We're taking random scriptures from the book of James. James wrote this book to people who were under stress, so it's very relevant for this season. Last week, Craig spoke about a faith that handles delays. Today, my title is A Faith That Works When Your Plan Doesn't Match God's plan. And I know every single person out there who is over the age of five can relate to that title. Or the title could also be, as Ashley Brilliant so eloquently put it, is this really my life or has there been some mistake? You know, the last 18 months, none of our plans have gone as we thought they would. 20 and 21 has tested every, everything, hasn't it? Our character, our lives, our marriages, our relationships. And um, God's plan not matching ours can happen in either two ways. So when God's plan doesn't match yours, and it, it won't, let me tell you, it can happen in two ways. The first way is this, that stuff comes into your life that you weren't expecting. But it wasn't your fault. It just came into your life. You thought your marriage was going to last forever, but your marriage finished. You thought you were going to have kids, but you weren't able to fall pregnant. So that's the first way that the plan that you have in your head goes skew if and it's a different plan to God's. The other way is a surrendering to God. God takes you on a different path to what you thought. You come to God and you say, God, what do you want to do with what do you want me to do with my life? And God says, You are going to go and plant a church in Iraq. And I thought, God, that wasn't in my um, planning linear schedule. You know, when I was in my early twenties, I'd been broken up with Mark, and the son of an Australian test cricket captain 
wrote me a letter. He wrote me a letter to say he couldn't do without. Anyway, I won't sing. Um, I've taken to random singing. It's kind of the, one of the ways I'm getting through this lockdown. And uh, he wrote me a letter. It was in the days before texting, emails. And he, in the letter, he said, Roz, it's God's plan that you marry me. The problem is that I didn't think it was God's plan and it wasn't God's plan. Although now he has got a very uh, nice house in a beautiful suburb in Sydney. So, But anyway. But God's plan for me was to marry actually the son of a carpenter who loves surfing, soccer, footy and me. <laughs> so God often interrupts our plans as he did with this guy and says, no, you're going to go a different way. Disappointment. So what happens is when our plans don't match God's, we get disappointed. And I heard an interesting statistic the other day. Don't know if it's right, but I heard it. 75% of people in church are disappointed. It's all right to be disappointed, but you have to work through your disappointment. And when you work through disappointment, I think you come to a place of deeper trust with God. Disappointment occurs when the experience, the actual experience of something falls short of what we anticipate. And all the optimists out there, you're used to disappointment because you dream hard and you fall hard. Um, but this is what it says in James 4. Listen, those of you who are boasting, today or tomorrow, listen, those of you who are boasting, today or tomorrow we'll go to another city and spend some time and go into business and we will make heaps of profit. But you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hand. And if he is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. Three principles from the Bible to help you when your plan or when my plan doesn't match God's. So the first one is this. We need to choose faith over fear. When our plans don't match God's and when things have a meltdown, we need to choose faith over fear. The temptation is to choose fear. But let me tell you this. God is not attracted to fear. He's attracted to faith. And if you can choose faith, even when your plan has crashed, you will keep moving forward. Your life will keep moving forward. And let me say this. You were created for faith. You weren't created for fear. You were created for faith. Why not be fearful? Well, God commands us not to be afraid. It is the most repeated commandment in the Bible. In fact, in the Bible, it says it 365 times. One fear not for every day. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid or a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Now, I want to challenge some of you. I want to challenge some of you parents and older Christians to deal with your fear because the younger generation and your kids are watching you and they want Christians, they want the next generation to see the next generation walking by faith, not by fear. 
Yet in this season, we've seen so many older Christians reacting with fear. And I want to say this also. I'm not talking about what side of the fence you sit on with lockdowns, with government responses, with vaccines. But both of these sides of the fence, I have seen a lot of fear and a lot of reaction of fear. And I've heard a lot of fear. So let me just say this. Don't walk in a spirit of fear. You haven't got a spirit of fear. You've got a spirit of love, of power. You are, you are empowered and of sound mind. You know, I told the staff the other day, the world might not be a safe place, but you are safe. You need to feed the language of faith into your soul. If you don't feel safe, and a lot of people don't feel safe, it goes back to when you were a kid, some stuff happened to me as a kid, so it's hard for me to feel safe. So I've had to work on feeling safe. And you work on feeling safe, it goes from your head down to your heart, by using the language of faith. God is your refuge. God is your very present help in trouble. He is with you. He is for you. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with you. He's got you. He's holding you. You don't have to fear what is coming. You know, I heard a great story a little while ago about two monks. I don't know whether it's true. But they were two monks, an older and younger, and they were facing the death penalty. And the night before, the younger monk spilt wax, hot wax, on his hand. And it hurt, and he burnt his hand. And he went quiet, and he said to the older monk, he said, you know, if this hurt, how on earth am I going to cope tomorrow when I'm burnt at the stake? And the older monk said a very wise thing to him. He said, hey, younger monk, <laughs> God gave you grace for your hand to be burnt by the wax and tomorrow God will give you grace when you're burnt at the stake every morning you get up there is grace there isn't grace for tomorrow today there's only grace for tomorrow tomorrow there's not grace for next week today there's only grace next week for next week his grace is sufficient for you so the first one, when God's plan doesn't match yours, you need to choose faith. The next one is you've got to get God's perspective. If you stay in a human perspective, it's very difficult to move through disappointment. You know, as a kid, my parents were strict. They were strict on television and on lollies. We were allowed two lollies a week, one on Wednesday night and one on Saturday night. A jube. It wasn't even like a wrap lolly. It wasn't even like a minty or a fantail, or a chocolate. It was just a hard tube that had laid at the back of the cupboard for weeks on end. And, um, you know, I used to find it really... I used to get so frustrated and rail against my parents because my friends had wagon wheels. You know, in those days, wagon wheels were the best thing. I still love wagon wheels. They had chocolates, they had chips, but I had to hold out for Wednesday and for Saturday night. But, you know, my parents actually were thinking of long term. They had a different perspective. I didn't have that perspective. I was only eight or ten. It's like, give me a lolly. But they were like, no, Roz, you, we want you to be healthy. We want you to grow up and be healthy and have self-discipline about eating. And, you know, now that I'm older, I'm so pleased that they had that perspective and they didn't have my 
my perspective. Um, because I'm so healthy and I'm a one chocolate eater. I can just have one wagon wheel and not the whole packet. But let me tell you this. Um, God goes for the long term. So this is God's perspective. God goes for the long term. He goes for the eternal and he goes for character. Um, you will live and I will live a life of frustration if we don't understand this. All right. I want to tell you another story. I've got lots of stories today. It's a story about a fish tank. It explains perspective well. It, Philip Yancey, who a lot of you might know, lives in New York and he's got a fish tank. And this is one of his stories. He says, I spend much time and effort fighting his, for his fish tank. I spend much time and effort fighting off the parasites, bacteria and fungi that invade the tank. I run a portable chemical laboratory to test the specific gravity, nitrate levels and ammonia content. Looks like too much trouble to me. But anyway, I pump vitamins, antibiotics, sulfur drugs and enough enzymes to make a rock grow. I filter the water through glass fibres and charcoal and expose it to ultraviolet light. You would think, in view of all this energy expended on the fish's behalf, that they would at least be grateful. Not so. Every time my shadow appears above the tank, they dive for cover into the nearest shell. Three times a day I open the lid, drop in food, yet they respond to each opening as a sure sign of my design to torture them. Fish are not affirming pets. To my fish, I am a deity and one who does not hesitate to intervene. I balance the salts. No food enters their tank unless I retrieve it from my freezer. They would not live a day without the electrical gadget that brings oxygen to the water. I often long for a way to communicate with those small-brained water dwellers. Out of ignorance, they perceive me as a constant threat. I cannot convince them of my true concern. I am too large for them, my actions too incomprehensible, my acts of mercy they see as cruelty, my attempts as healing they view as destruction. To change their perceptions would require a form of incarnation. And that is a picture of us. We are the fish caught in time and space, contained by time and space. But God is not contained to time and space. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's lived every day that you're already going to live. It's hard for our minds to get around. The Bible says his ways are not like our ways. His ways are perfect. His thoughts are above our thoughts, way above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. So when your plan doesn't match God's plan, you have to get out of your human perspective and see according to eternity and trust that God knows what he's doing. You don't see as God sees. You don't feel as God feels. You don't know your future. You don't have the same values as God has. Do you know that God has perfect morals, perfect wisdom? He's omniscient, omnipotent and omnipresent. He rolls out the universe. The, the earth is his footstool. You can trust him. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is God's goal for your life. So often it becomes difficult because God and I have a clash of agendas. So basically my agenda is comfort, safety and happiness. And I think most of you, if you will be honest, that would be your agenda too. But that is not God's agenda. God's agenda, we find out in Romans 8.28, says this. 
That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset, listen, to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. So God wants to form Christ in you. That's his goal. It's not comfort. He loves you. But he wants to form Christ in you. He wants all those things that are lying dormant, that without pressure would stay dormant. When there's pressure, all these things come out of us that only trials would bring. Perseverance, endurance, talent, creativity, um, thinking, communication, so many things that lie dormant in you and it's only pressure and the fires of life that bring those things out. You know, if David had never gone onto the battlefield against Goliath, the warrior would have never come out. The anointing would have never come out. The anointing and the warrior and the grit come out in you in the toughest times. Um. You know, I bought a grape. I bought a few grapes along. Who likes grapes? We all like grapes. But, you know, most of us would just be happy being a grape. A beautiful red grape on a vine. Everyone goes, that is such a shiny grape. It tastes so nice. But I'll tell you what happens with grapes. In life, if we're a grape, we get crushed. I'm going to do it. I'm going to crush it. I crushed it. <laughs> life crushes us. And God uses the crushing to make wine. And it's wine that brings joy to the soul and blesses others. And it's wine that is the freshness. And it talks about wine being the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So you can in life get crushed and you can say disappointed and discouraged and you can quit and you can get off the potter's wheel. You can get bitter. But you will never be made into the fine wine that God has. So I want to challenge you, church. When life crushes you, yes, grieve. Yes, vent. Yes, process. But do a work and surrender to the beautiful work of the Holy Spirit and let wine and freshness and the Holy Spirit come out of you. All right. Um, I want to go to the last point. I just want to say this, actually. Only God can bring good out of bad. Anyone can bring good out of good, but only God can bring good out of bad. It doesn't matter what you've been through. doesn't matter what plan has been wrecked and messed up. This scripture says that in all things, not in some things. It's not that things are good. It's that God can take those bad things. That is a promise for you. And make things work out for good. And God is the only one that can do that. All right, the last point is this. If your plan doesn't match God's plan, you need to plant another seed. You know, in Genesis, it talks about Adam and Eve. They lost one of their sons. Actually, one of their sons, Cain, killed another one of their sons, Abel. And life hadn't worked out how they thought it would. And in Genesis 4, it says this, And Adam knew his wife again, 
And she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. For God has appointed another seed for you. One seed dies, God has got another seed. God is not short of seeds. You just think about all the sperm in the world, billions and billions of sperm. There's so much seed, there's so many ideas, there's so much creativity. There's so many threads of genius that God has. And God has appointed another seed for you and you have to have that hope in your heart. You know, when life doesn't work out, when a marriage fails or you'll lose your business or lose a friendship, God has appointed another seed. You know, in my early 30s when we arrived at the church, I wanted to keep teaching and tutoring and let Mark be the senior pastor, but I, I responded to an altar call one night and God spoke to me and he said, lay down teaching and I want you to do kids' church. And I wrestled because I loved teaching. I had, but God was asking me this, to do this church. He was asking to put down my agenda, my plan, and take on his. And I don't know about you, but when God speaks, I, it's just really hard to say no. I vent and I chuck a tantrum, but eventually I say yes. And I'll never forget that night. I put down what I loved, what I'd trained for, great superannuation, great holidays, great gifting in me and I put it down and I said yes to God and God spoke to me and said I want you to do kids church and you know for 10 years I did kids church we did bus ministry every Friday we would visit the kids in the housing commission all the kids that came on the bus we had hundreds of kids through that old hall and God was doing wanted me to leave a spiritual legacy not just a physical legacy he knew what he was doing he had a new seed and he's got a new seed for you. If you've had to let one go, he's got a new seed for you. But I just want to say this. John 12, 24 says this. Truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So don't stay on the tree. Don't fight. Surrender. Have your garden moment. Not my will, but God's be done. And the issue with the seed is when it falls to the ground and goes into the soil, it has to lose its husk. There's a hard husk and it has to lose its husk so the seed can go into the soil and grow and bear much fruit. Many people don't lose the husk. I wrote this, God isn't short of good seed. He's short of soft hearts. There's many, many hard husks and life hardens us. You've got to fight against life hardening. You've got to keep a soft, soft heart. You know, I interviewed Darlene last week and she said this beautiful thing. She talked about lessons from her cancer journey and she said God spoke to her and said, you've got no room in my heart. And she said, God, I've got room in my heart. And he said to her, no, you've got unforgiveness. And when you've got unforgiveness, you've got no room in my heart. And she said she had to go into all, she had to let God do a work and write down specific names and specific events and be that diligent and give God room in her heart. I want to finish with a beautiful story and um, to really encourage you. God knows what he's doing. He's going to finish the work that he started. He's not a short-term God. 
He's got decades and he's going to complete the work and you are going to be a trophy to God. And you are going to minister to others and, um, yeah, that's what what you're going to do. (laughs) Beautiful story about Corrie Ten Boom. Her and her family sheltered Jews in Holland during World War II and they were found out. They were taken to a concentration camp, her dad and her sister Betsy died in the concentration camp and this is what she said she spent about four years in the concentration camp and for the rest of her life traveled um, preaching the good news she said this looking back across the years of my life I can see the working of a divine pattern which is the way of God with his children that's what happens if you if you quit too early you never get to see the divine pattern it's so good when you get older you look back and you see the weavings of God When I was in a prison camp in Holland, I often prayed, Lord, never let the enemy put me in a German concentration camp. God answered no to that prayer. Yet in that German camp, with all its horror, I found many prisoners who had never heard of Jesus Christ. If God had not used my sister Betsy and me to bring them to him, they would never have heard of Christ. Many died and were killed, but many died with the name of Jesus on their lips. They were well worth all our suffering which by the way the bible says that your suffering is as nothing compared to the eternal weight of joy and glory in heaven but i want to read with this poem that she finishes the book with my life is but a weaving between my god and me i do not choose the colors and he worketh steadily oftentimes he weaveth sorrow And I, in foolish pride, forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the skillful weaver's hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. You are a masterpiece. Stay on the wheel because he's creating a magnificent masterpiece that you will understand one day. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all of those out there who have, at the moment are really finding things frustrating. Father, I pray that they will have a let go moment and trust you. Places hidden in them that are that don't believe the parts of us that are in unbelief and we're trying to control and make things happen there's anxiety father in Jesus name I cut that off and I pray for peace in their soul peace that passes all understanding God thank you father and father I pray for those that are disappointed and you've been stuck in disappointment for a long time the Holy Spirit says this put the grief down and move on It's time to move into this new season. God has got a new seed. Plant the new seed. Look for the new seed. Let the friendship go. Let the relationship go. Let the dream go. Let what you thought would happen go. And trust God for the new seed. Thank you, Father. And I just want to finish with this. If any of you would like to invite Christ into your life, every in the end of every message, we give people an invitation to invite Christ into your life. If you would like to invite Christ into your life, I want you to text the word new start 
to the number that is on this screen and we will get to you and find you. Actually, we won't. That sounds a bit um, coming after. We will send you some information to help you with your new walk with Christ. But if that is you, pray this prayer with me. Father, I thank you that what I needed to hear this message today. And Lord Jesus, I don't know everything about you, but I want you in my life. So today, in, I open my heart and I invite you into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, text the word new start to that screen. Hey church, have a great week. Love you, see you soon. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.